How's it been doing this morning? I've said this at least six times, but I love worshiping with you people. Hard it is to do that and have to pull your brain out of that and do this. Alright, well, um, pull this together here real fast. We're in the midst of a somewhat new series. Well, a new series for us in the other church would probably be about done with the series, but we're only like four weeks in, so um, we've got like another couple months. Uh, <laughs> in the midst of a series, we're uh, looking at really this idea um, that we see in Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verses, uh, verse, it's really 1 through 3, we're just going to look at verse 1 today, though. Um, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. The idea here is, is just like it says, that, that the gospel and our acceptance of it serve as a foundation for our lives. Amen? Without the gospel, without our understanding of, of I love this, repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Can I just super simplify that real fast? Admitting that you suck and God doesn't. Okay, that's like as simple as I can make the gospel. Right? I'm not good at life. Jesus is good at life. I am completely unable. Jesus is more than able. Okay, and what, what the writer of Hebrews here is saying is this. He's saying, look, let's not just keep laying the foundation. Let's build something on it. Please understand, we're not moving past it. Hello? We're building on it. Fundamental, important, foundational difference here. The writer of Hebrews says, let's, let's move on. We saw this. This literally means, this, this, uh, this word in your list, leave the elementary doctrine. Elementary literally means the edge of something. That look, we were, we were redeemed, we were ransomed, we were sanctified, we are being sanctified towards something. And therefore, let's go explore it. I've likened this in weeks past to saying like, when, when your dad, you know, gave you the keys to the car for the first time, anybody, you want somebody, and you got that thing out on the freeway, your first thought was what? I wonder what this thing can do. Is that just me? Yeah. It was just me. Don't be too scared though, it was a minivan, so it didn't do a whole lot. It just kind of was there. Put the metal in. Yeah, didn't really do a lot. But, but that's the idea here is to say, okay, look, you have been ransomed, you've been redeemed, you have been brought near. You've been included, you've been, you've been redeemed into the kingdom of God. Now let's go and see really what this really means for us. So we're going to be looking at that this morning and continue to explore that. Just want to read a few uh, verses here if we could, just to kind of get them into our hearing, just to kind of get them into our thinking process here a little bit. not going to preach off these specifically, but I just want them fresh in your minds for those who may not be familiar with these verses. This is uh, Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Only thing I want to point out here is how many fruit are there? One. We don't get to pick and choose those. You don't get to go, I'd really like to grow in my goodness, but I'm not really interested in growing in my self-control. It's all packaged together as one fruit. Understand that? This is the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit's work in our life. This is what happens. And in Romans 5, uh, 1 through 5, 1 through 4, I believe. This is supposed to be 1 through 5, but whatever. We'll just roll with it. Uh, this is how Romans says, Therefore, since 
we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Everybody say grace in which we stand. I just want to make sure everyone's awake this morning. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. He says not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. Okay, this is the part where I don't like this verse. I can rejoice in, in God. I can rejoice in His glory. But now all of a sudden, He's pushing me towards suffering. But why? He says, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. And hope does not put us to shame. But God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Powerful stuff here. We, we're understanding here, Paul's talking about the working of suffering, the working of trial, the working of difficulties in our life. And now our big bird, our big uh, passage that we've been looking at is uh, John 15, 1 through 11. This is where we're going to be spending uh, most of the summer, if not all of it, really digging through this. We've spent several weeks here, just want to read it so it's fresh in our minds. Jesus speaking here says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me, and I am him. He is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Let's pray together, Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that it's a living and an active word. We thank you, God, that, that your word is here to speak to us, not just here for us to look at. And so, God, we ask that somehow this morning we would do the miracle that we are so faithful to do. That you would speak to us. I don't know how, in the context of this many people, you are able to somehow deliver a word to our hearts, but I know from your faithfulness that you do that. So, God, that's what we ask. We ask that you would come and speak, that we would be given ears to hear your word, that we would soften our hearts to receive your word. And God, just to go a little bit further, we ask for you to please walk out the word. God, the ability to be faithful to what it is that we hear, that we might bear much truth, that we might glorify you, that we might be able to enjoy it. Jesus' name, we said. Okay, so, uh, let me get back to this here. John chapter 15, we have here what I call both the roadmap and the resource for the calling of God in our life. So we see what the calling of God is, and we also see how he fulfills that. The calling of God on your life exists. Can I just start there for a second? 
What do I mean? I mean you are not ransomed at the highest price possible just so you could sit idly and wait to die and go to heaven. You are also not, please hear me, you are not redeemed, ransomed, and brought into the family of God so you could wait for some mythological apocalypse and end of the world that you're hoping for. It's like Mad Max. That is cool. I prefer Mad Max to Waterworld. We're going there right now. So, what we need to understand is there is a purpose in your redemption. And I thought this just pushes a little bit. There's a purpose in your redemption beyond just your redemption. You were just saved to not go to hell. That's You're not just redeemed. You were not just brought into the family of God so that when you die, you don't have to go to hell. Here's a bigger piece. You were not just redeemed and ransomed just so that you could be a better person. Instant better person. Just have Jesus place. No, that's not the purpose of the gospel. The, 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 the very blood of God himself was not shed for you just so that you would pay your taxes. Help little ladies across the street. There's more that's been purchased for you. And what we are looking at here in this passage is the roadmap to that. What is it that we're called to? You are called. You have a mandate on your life by the God who ransomed you to glorify God. Through bearing fruit and being filled with joy. Can I just side note, not in the notes, not in the series, but just can I just throw something at you real fast? Those two things are not mutually exclusive. How awesome is that? Any of you raised like I would have thought, well, I can either have a life filled with joy, or I can bear fruit for God. Anybody raised in an order church? <laughs> like you can't do this or you can do that you can't do both here's good news, great news, awesome news I'm so thankful in God, our God is a both and God he goes, I designed you to bear fruit and be filled with joy and those things converge and I'm glorified I thought Christian was miserable no, that's just our big, really effective PR campaign we're doing right now <laughs> too far? <laughs> we're supposed to be filled with joy and we're supposed to be bearing fruit okay that's the I need us to grasp this because that's the end goal we're going to walk through something this morning not a fun one okay going over Jesus is showing us some stuff here that's not enjoyable lest we keep our eyes on the joy set before us so you have this mandate on your life you are called to bear fruit for God. You are called to be filled with joy. And you can't do that. That's exciting. Okay, so this is our kind of big, big statement we've made regarding that. The calling and mandate from the Lord on the believer are impossible. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. It's impossible. Therefore, our only hope is to totally and completely unite with Jesus until we are fully hidden in him so that his perfection engulfs so thoroughly our imperfection that we stand clean in him and he stands glorified in us. Your only hope is to hide in Jesus. Yeah, I remember I was about 10 years old and uh, being a child of the late 80s, early 90s, 
uh, tree hugging was becoming like a big deal in the school I was in, right? Like taking care of the environment. And I remember my class, we planted some trees on my on the school property. Anybody else do this? Like we went, they, they got us the tree, and we all like like we planted. I don't remember doing any of the work. Honestly, <laughs> I remember like the janitor guy being sweaty and angry, and him doing a lot of it. I think we got like a little space and like we dirty, and I was like, yeah. that's toward the end of the year. I remember whatever grade that is, ten years old. I don't know, whatever, about that age. And at that time, we were living in an apartment complex right by my school. I remember that summer, a couple months in the summer, I, I was riding bikes with my little brothers. My brothers are three and four years younger than me, and we're riding bikes, riding around the school. And I saw some older kids. Now, in my mind, these were giants. They were probably like a whopping 13 years old. And they were breaking our tree. They're like busting the limbs off. Of now, this was like a sick little tree. Probably wasn't one of the biggest. But these guys were like busting limbs off and carving stuff into it. And so righteous fury rose up in my heart. And I forgot that I weighed like 37 pounds. And I ride my bike with these guys and I throw my bike at them and I scream and yell and holler and tell them they can't do that because Mother Earth is a man. I don't know. I just yell at them all. Well, these guys take one look at me and my two baby brothers and they just see a fun couple of minutes of beating the snout out of us. So they grab my brother and hit him a couple times. I grab him away. We jump on our bikes and we run away. I have no hope. There's like five or six of these kids. There's like no hope for me in beating these guys. But here's something I knew that they didn't know. <laughs> my dad was raised Irish Catholic, so he has a lot of kids. <laughs> <laughs> my big brother, who just got back from playing football all year in college, was at home. So all I all I did was haul as fast as I could back in the apartment, screaming for my brother John. I managed to somehow, right as they were grabbing me, get to the apartment. My brother heard me and came running out, and guess what? I was saved. <laughs> I was redeemed. I was ransomed. I was brought back into the family. And these poor little kids, these little punk rockers, were gone. They just scattered. They were, they were nowhere to be found. As soon as they saw my brother walk out, and I didn't even realize that my brother was home, but also a guy that was his center in college named Spooner. Imagine a college center. He's not a slight man, right? He was about six foot four. My brother's about six feet tall. They came running out. These guys scattered everywhere. Our only hope is to hide behind somebody who's able. If we're un we are completely and utterly incapable of fulfilling that which is required upon us, but he is quite capable, and our only hope is to hide in him. Amen? So that's our big idea. So as we rest, as we rest in Jesus as our source, life and growth are a byproduct of that union. This is where we're going this morning, okay? Series, series, um, looking this moment further up and further into the Chronicles of Narnia, if you were a fan of C.S. Lewis, that's where that comes from. The idea of going further up, further into the kingdom of God. So here we see that as we abide in Christ, as we as we rest in Him as our life, as our as our source, that life and growth are imparted to us from that union. Now without Him we are unable, but as we abide in Him, He is more than able to move through us. I need us to see this. This happens in this union happens internally and organically. Anybody ever go to Green Acres or and pick fruit? Anybody ever hear the trees just groaning under the weight of bearing the fruit? It's quiet and peaceful. Why? 
Because trees, fruit trees, produce fruit. It's just a natural byproduct. Your union with Christ will naturally produce fruit in your life. The more you hang out with Jesus, the fruitier you will get. <laughs> it's just natural. It happens organically. There's no straining and groaning. You don't have to be coerced and manipulated. None of that that needs to happen is just going to happen. Growth is a byproduct of union. Here's what I need to see that we've seen this before, just reviewing. Only by being united to Jesus can you bear fruit. It's not just that you bear fruit in your union with Christ, it's that you only can bear fruit in union with Christ. There is no other way. I love Psalm 87 7. It says, All my fountains are found in you. Like he's the only place where life is. There is no other spiritual path that's going to produce life in you. Like that thing's really close-minded and shallow. I didn't say it, he did. He didn't say he had life. Do you understand that? Jesus is completely unique in history. He didn't come on the scene and say, I have life. He came on the scene and said, I am life. In, you, in uniting with him, we are united with the life we are called to lead. Do you get this? Through that union, but this the source for all that comes. He is our source. He is our life. And yet, in the imagery we have laid out here, Jesus introduces another player. So we've got the branch and the vine, right? We've got branch, us, vine, him. He's the source. All we bring is a need for him. We bring nothing to the table in our relationship with Jesus other than the fact that we need it. Branch, vine, that's the relationship. Could just stay there, right? We, we really, as a church, we've established this. What do we establish? That it's all about... <laughs> it's all about yes. well just before we tricked you all every time you Instagram about this church and service you're talking about you <laughs> on the stage so if you have it <laughs> um, all about Jesus so why is this other piece brought Jesus introduces another player he he, he pushes the analogy can I go here? He goes further. He takes the analogy further. And he says, there's a, there's a vine, and there's a branch coming out of the vine, and there's this union there. But there's also a need for the vine and the branch to have a vine rise. And ministries and the working, if I can use a non-churchy word, the working of the vine and the vine dresser are distinctly different. But equally as important. Before I move on here, I need to make sure you get this. This is in no way to say that Jesus is insufficient. Like Jesus isn't enough. Like there needs to be something more. On the contrary, you wouldn't have access to the vine dresser if you weren't in the vine. It is your union with the vine that enables you to be worked on by the vine dresser. So without Jesus, you still have nothing. You are still a dry, dead stick that gets the only usefulness for it is to be gathered up and burned. Here we see this relationship. So you, you're, in, you're in the vine. You're, you're a branch in the vine. I am internally, organically working in you. But there is something outside. This is so powerful and so amazing to me because here's the truth. Let's get honest with each other. We all have two lives. So 
We have we have an external light. This is people sitting here hearing me talk. External. This is outside of you. But we also have an internal light. You're currently thinking about what I'm saying. Don't think of a pink elephant. Right? Like there's there's an external and there's an internal. You perceive things externally, you process them internally. And here's the amazing thing to me about God. He says, I want to be intimately involved in both of those areas of your life. My work will not be in one or the other because I'm not an either or God. Hello, somebody. I'm both hands. I will, I will work within you and I will provide opportunities for work to be done externally to work into you. Vine, vine dresser. The vine's work is one internally. The vine, uh, it supplies for us impartation. He gives us life and strength, most of identity and security. To put it simply, he does all this that we might be capable of bearing fruit. Right? We're in the vine, read that already in John, that we might bear much fruit, that we might bear fruit, that we might bear much fruit. Amen? You all still with me? So the vine provides all this, it provides identity, security, provides a life within us that we might bear fruit. The external working of the vine dresser is one of cutting and cultivating, of, of destroying and disciplining that we might bear much fruit. Where the vine enables us to bear fruit, the vine dresser enables us to bear much fruit. Can I tell you something I'm really scared of in Christianity and in the church? Bearing a little bit of fruit and thinking that's enough. Can I bury this right here for us as a church if you're visiting with us? Welcome. You get to hear us talk to the pain. You would do that like the family goes to the kitchen and we can't see each other like we can't hear. Yeah, I know that swinging door totally soundproof. Don't worry about the door. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like fucking I yell too much. I have to link the phone. This is a I worry that for us in Hawkins is a group here that you can see how this applies to you personally. I worry that we can say, well, you know, we have some fruit as a church. We've reached some people, so that's enough. But scripture calls us to bear much fruit that God might be glorified, not some fruit. Can I tell you, I, I am thrilled, happy, honored, blessed to pastor this church. I, I brag about it all the time. I think this is the greatest thing ever. But I'm not satisfied with where we are as a church. Amen? I'm not satisfied with where we are in any level. Because God has called us to bear much fruit. Amen? So personally, we can follow this as well. Where, you know, I'm not, I'm not as bad as I used to be, so I'm, I'm okay with where I'm at. But there's a sense in which we need to be at peace and at rest in the vine. Amen? But we also need to be longing for the work of the vine dresser to cultivate and to work in us. It's only because of a deep abiding love for the vine that the vine dresser works in us. And it's only through the deep abiding love that the vine has for the vine dresser that we will accept the vine dresser's work. Amen? Internally. Internal working with Jesus. I want to try to. I want to make this as as practical as I possibly can for us. Can we do that? Is that okay? Are we allowed to do that? 
Internal. So, so okay, I have this internal relationship of me abiding in the vine. We talk bluntly and boldly and loudly about our need to abide in the vine. Rest in the vine. Amen? How do we do that? Internally, it's cultivated things like prayer, things like experiencing His presence through worship and thanksgiving, through reading the Word and meditating upon His holiness. We grow and we, are, we, we, we make much of our connection with the vine. But I tell you, these things are natural and organic. I got an email from somebody who was in our youth ministry years ago, uh, a couple days ago, it was through Facebook. And they said, how, how do you keep your passion for the Word of God so, you know, burning so hot? My literal response back to them was, that's like asking how do you keep fire hot? It's already hot. I just have to keep going to it. The heat's already there. Come on, somebody. I don't have to somehow work myself up for it. Now, I realize that nothing in me longs for that heat, so I have to ask God, you can give me desire. Then I have desire. So I have desire. You understand that, that these things happen organically. I remember that literally the, the day I went home after experiencing genuine transformation, genuine conversion, I went through every box in my house so I could find the Bible, and I, I, the only way I could put it, I ate it. I mean, I just, it was always constant. I'm not saying there's not ebbs and flows and there's not seasons of more intense pressing into God and seasons of less. That's life. Life goes up, life goes down. Hello? Right? But it's still there. There's still the ebb and flow. If it levels out, that's the problem. These things are cultivated through that enjoying His presence. Why do we push you into His presence and worship so much? Because I know that's where life flows into you through your relationship, through your union with Jesus. It's needed. It's vital. It's there. If it's not there, there's no life, no grace, no power to be producing fruit. They're just taking some time and you're on your commute to work, just shut everything off and just think about how awesome God is. And I tell you, that's part of how you have His grace imparted to you. You abide in Him. Abide in you've seen It's not a passive thing, it's an active thing, amen? And so the word literally for abide means to journey through something. It just means to sit there like a bump on a log. So that's the internal work. The external work, please hear me, is done through preaching, right? And this is part of how the vine dresser works. You hear a message. It's external, right? It's not internal. It begins to work. It begins to do things to you. It begins to reveal things to you and speak to you. It's done through receiving a discipleship, finding somebody who's further along in their relationship with God and saying, will you teach me? Will you, will you disciple me? We will help me to, to accept and receive the work of the vine dresser. Amen? You said the work of the vine dresser is one of cutting and cultivating. The work of the vine dresser is one, I'm sorry, is, is one of destruction. That branch is only going to, only has so much life flowing through it. Can I tell you, you are a finite being. I don't mean to blow your mind. You have limitations. You have 24 hours in a day, you need to sleep at least 3 or 4 hours a night. <laughs> you have limitations. So the vine dresser comes knowing your limitations better than you. 
and cuts away things that may even be good things. They may be great things. Fine dresser knows that thing that's going to stop you from bearing fruit in the area of music and cuts it away. This work is done through preaching, through hearing discipleship, this is the part of our life, through trials and tragedies, through pain, loss, and betrayal. This is the part of It's so important for me to make sure we understand this because you're going to go through it. And you can either choose when you go through trials and trouble and pain and loss. I'm not talking about the opportunity for loss. I'm talking about loss. You can either choose to go through that and say, some kind of, well, we live in a fallen world and crap happens. Or you can choose to say, I have a good and faithful and loving body dresser who's working internally and externally in my life that I might bear more fruit. And I don't understand it, and this sucks, but you know what? Something good is going to come out of this. God is working something for me. I may never see it. I probably won't ever see it. It doesn't matter, because he is working something for me. I need to find this verse when I control the Paul here has just talked previously. I wanted to go here, but I knew it would take too long. I would keep you too long. I wanted to go this morning. I wanted to make sure we hear what we need here. Paul's been talking about this working externally. How things work on us externally. How we, we get taught, we go through things, we, we have things happen to us that we might, uh, we go through these things. Here's what he says in verse, uh, verse 16, chapter 4. So we do not lose heart, though our outer selves, external, you with me? Our outer selves, our external, is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are, uh, are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Of course you don't see what the trial that you're going through is working for you. If you could see it, it would be temporary. It would only produce a few temporary things. When we did one time my car wouldn't start, and it like wouldn't start, and I was like really bad at Jesus, and it wouldn't start, and then I found out it was like an accident on my way to work. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> 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 happier still here. I'm talking about when you when your car does start. You do get a gas. You don't get locked. It's hard. It hurts. I'm talking about when the friend that you thought stuck closer than the brother abandons you most of it. I'm talking about when you get the diagnosis that you didn't expect. I'm talking about when the job it sucks when the finances dry up and the resources are gone and you're going, God, what did you do? I thought you were a good vine dresser and I have nothing. And good things in my life are shriveling up and getting cut away and they're, they're being pulled from me in trial and pain. I thought it was supposed to be joyful and what the heck is this about? What you need to understand is it is not meaningless. 
It's working for you and eternal weight of glory. There's more for you through that on the other side of that, and we rest knowing we have a good body dresser who would not allow those things to come to us if there was not some fruit it was meant to bear in our lives and in our hearts. I was talking to somebody who flew to Denver. This one time he flew to Denver. <laughs> and Denver, if you've ever flown into Denver, depending on your perception, is horrible because there's lightning storms pretty much always surrounding Denver. So the plane, like, the whole way into Denver, pretty much all the time, in and out. It just bang, 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 you know, things crash, carts fall over, they have to, like, when I was loading the, when you load the luggage, you know, flight, it's light and then they like strap it down in the overhead compartments, and it's pretty fun. And I grew up flying. My dad was a pilot. I logged more hours of flight than a plane that I honestly didn't even remember. And I lived in the island of Guam where there's typhoons. So we flew in like the big, giant, huge jets through typhoons, where literally your plane drops 60 to 80 feet in front of the turbulence. Or like you come off your seat, turbulence. I'm a little morbid. I think that's pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm flying to Denver, and cool thing was it was the day of Bloomsday, and the, the little Indian guy who won Bloomsday was actually on the flight. Not was he on the flight. Oh boy, that next me. <laughs> <laughs> I love turbulence. You know what I learned? Kenyans don't love turbulence. <laughs> Can you scream in that like National Geographic the whole time? <laughs> I got my headphones on and I'm rocking some drama and going into the place with bam, 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 bam. I think this is awesome. The opinion, not so awesome. Everyone in the plane was like, it was great. I think it's fun. So I started talking to your friend of ours, uh, um, the Shrek, and I was talking to him. He said, he said, you have to be there for just I can't, I can't handle flying in and out of this place. It just be every time. It just freaks me out. I'm going to be insane. I'm scared. I'm nervous. It happen. And please follow me on this. This may push us a little bit further than we've been pushed before. But here's what I came to. I'm in the plane. Right? I'm already sitting on the plane. We're already flying in the air. We're going to go to Denver. My fate is sealed at this point. <laughs> the doors have been locked and sealed. My awesome little flotation strapped seat. And I told her, I said, at that moment, if you go down, you're gone. Like, here's, it's not like a car wreck. Like, oh, I'm going to get really injured and I might have to eat, you know, through a straw for us. Like, you just need to go be with Jesus at that point. Like, your fate is sealed. Can I tell you, that's always the way it is. Our vine dresser controls everything. And that's why it's so powerful that he's outside. See, I have this intimate relationship with Jesus inside, but I rest in knowing that my vine dresser, my good and all-powerful, all-knowing, completely sovereign and supreme vine dresser is outside of me, and nothing comes at me that he does not allow. Everything, therefore, that comes at me is for my good that he might be glorified. And as long as he's glorified, I'm good. Because that's my purpose. Bearing fruit, filled with joy that he might be glorified. And let's be honest, if you've been, been walking with the Lord for more than six days, you know 
that the deepest times of the Lord, and I don't like this, it's just true, are always the times when life sucks. I have been, I've been in ministry for 13 years. 13 years. Never have I sat down for a beverage with someone and talked with them about the relationship with God and they would know what? When life was awesome, I was just at the best with Jesus. Man, when I won the lottery and everything was great and everybody liked me, I just, it was just me and Jesus was just deeply easy. No, it's always like that when everything fell apart and he left me, she left me, they left me, lost this, this was gone, struggling through this, Jesus was there and real. And I'll take real Jesus for the real reason. dresser was external. We need to understand this so when those things come, we press into the vine, not pull out of it. Your affection for the things that are, cut, that are being cut off cannot be greater than your affection for the body. Because you'll follow those things, and that's the one you just we're going to get into. Don't worry, we're going to get into the morning. Keep driving with me, keep coming. We'll get there. Right now, I need you to understand the work of the vine dresser is there to produce more fruit and ultimately more joy in your life. Not easy. Bluntly, not fun. Didn't say he does it to make you happy. Says he does it to fill, I said he does it to fill you with joy. His divine joy that is beyond our joy, beyond our happiness, beyond our satisfaction. Have to go here, have to live here. How do we do this? You apply from the body. This is what it all comes back to. It all comes back to Jesus. How do I how do this things come down? You don't understand I got this happy this week, this. This tragedy, this bad thing, this person said, I'm going through, I don't know how, fine in the body. And I have to read you one more verse in the language. We actually stand up. This is going to take longer. Go back into the way Back, John 1, John 15. I'm just going to be pretty transparent for a second. Talks about, I'm the vine, Father's the vine dresser, do the bread, branches in me, bear fruit, eat prunes. I can get all that, and that was message is preached. The problem is, I have to be faithful to the text. Here's the problem. Verse 3 bugged me all week. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. I thought we were being pruned, so we would be clean. Jesus, you're not making sense to you. And John does this. If you've read the Gospel of John, he does it all the time. Rhythm, rhythm, things are going great. Something I like it. Here's what I think is trying to get us to understand very briefly, very quickly. You are already clean because of the union with Christ. This is not a matter of, what we're talking about here is not a matter of, you're not good enough to be united with Jesus and the Bible is going to make you good enough. It's, it's, you'll never be good The work of the vine dresser is to produce within you what has already been given to you. You are already bearing fruit. The work of the vine dresser is to increase that so you might be more who you already are. Paul tells the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, I'm not going to go there, you can write it down read it later. He says you need to get rid of the leaven in your life because you are unleavened. Um, 
talk about being derivative by Mark You are this already. So be that. Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. Yeah. Peter sticks his foot in his mouth, as always. Right? Argues with Jesus about washing his feet. He says, Look, Peter, you're already clean, so you need to let me wash your feet. Are you understanding this relationship? You are already, if you have been united with Christ, if you've experienced redemption, if you have confessed and repented of your sin and embraced the goodness and faithfulness of God through the sacrifice, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you are clean. You are not qualified for pruning. We need you to understand that. We need to celebrate that. We're going to celebrate something this morning. I want it to be that we have been made clean by Jesus because it's all about Jesus. Amen? Let's pray for the Holy Spirit. We thank you this morning. We thank you that you are a good and faithful righteous. We thank you that you are a good and faithful God. We thank you that you are a good and faithful Father. And I ask this day, God, Lord, that you would help us, that you would speak to us. Lord, that for those that may be struggling with or issues, with trials, with troubles, God, those that you are working as a faithful vine dresser on, it is easy, it is so easy for me to stand up here and to call us to embrace your work in our lives. So easy for me to stand up here and say that good will come of it. That a tragedy comes into our life is the best thing that can happen to us. It is so easy to say it, and it is so hard to walk it out. God, I am fully and completely aware that it is only in dwelling and abiding and resting in you that you can help us that which we need to embrace or work in our life. God, I ask you to do that. 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 I ask you to do that.